0: We so were at a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. I just had this thought while I was sitting out here, um, and uh, big uh, like Christian community development conference and huge worship like team on that. There was thousands of people there, whatever. And the last, I think it was the last night, we were sitting there and um, singing and kind of caught up in the music and um, and this lady behind us like pulls out a tambourine and started like jamming, <laughs> and I was just like, hey. She's got a tambourine. <laughs> I just want you to know, you guys to know you have permission. So if you happen to have a tambourine that you keep, like, tucked in your purse or your bag or whatever, and you're just feeling it, pull the tambourine out. Bless us all. Add it. We just need to join in to, um, to what they are doing up here. It's beautiful, creating for us an opportunity to express through song, through words, um, sometimes what's in our heart that we have a hard time expressing. And uh, so if that involves egg shakers, Iceland often, I think she always has her egg shakers with her, but um, if that involves an instrument that you just want to join in, um, I'm going to give you permission, and then we'll deal with the repercussions of that. <laughs> the band is like, Larry, stop it. Okay, okay so um, as Iceland mentioned, um, today is the um, final Sunday of our Making of a People series. And I think we've been having a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a number of people mention that um, they're enjoying it. I think it's been an opportunity for us to process a lot of really um, deep themes that we find in Scripture. And uh, we've just been having a really good time um, processing through, so looking back in Hebrew Scripture, the lives of Abraham, Moses, and the way in which God is calling his people, the Israelites, out of slavery and, and forming them into a people. If you've missed any of the messages in this series, um, then check them out online uh, on our website, everydaycc.com. We put them all on there, so if any of us are away or miss, or there are times where you just realize there was something deep in there that I started to get, I think God was speaking to me, I need to go back to it and process it. Um, Also, you can see who the speaker was that Sunday, and if you have questions, you can always email us, shoot us a note, talk to Alberto or Wendy or Matt or I about things we processed. Um, Because that's the way oftentimes God is uh, challenging us to process through these stories and to learn together as we do that. So, So we've covered lots of deep themes, looked at a lot of different stories. We've learned a lot about God, what God is up to, how he's been working through history to reconcile humanity to himself, to re- reconcile us and bring us back into the relationship that he always intended for us to, um, to enjoy. So last week, uh, Wendy ended her message teaching about the people of Israel meeting God at a mountain. So they've been called out of slavery, rescued from slavery out of Egypt, and they meet God at this mountain, and kind of this dramatic story. And that story took place like 3,000 years ago or, or so. Um, and there's a whole lot more about the people of Israel and this family, this people that God is forming and calling out to be his representatives in the world. There's a lot more that happens after that mountain. That mountain really is just the beginning. But um, that took place like 3,000 years ago, and our plan all along has been to finish this series last week with that story and to kind of leave us all hanging. (laughs) And then for me to get up here today and for us to spend some time now reflecting on what does it mean for... Uh, for us. So we've learned all of this stuff about what God is doing. We've learned some about his character, the way he works in the world, um, this foreshadowing that he's giving of what is to come, and we kind of left it there, and we need to connect that to today. What does this mean for us as God's people in the world, um, alive and present here? And so, um, I don't know about you, but jumping from 3,000 years ago to today stresses my mind out a little bit. It's a little bit of a challenge. There's a lot of gaps, a you know, big gap in there to fill in. And we process and we're learning regularly about what that means for us as a church and as God's people today. Um, but it's a big jump in one Sunday to do. So I apologize for, to you about that. But here's what we're going to do. So if you've been around, we're going to try to approach things a little differently today. Got a couple of different elements that we're going to weave into our time together in these next 30 or 40 minutes. Um, if you've been around, then you've noticed we've shown a couple of different videos through the series from Bibleproject.com that have been really helpful in really like telling the stories that we've been processing, but all, but doing it in a way that's sort of visually challenging and um, very informative and a- adding different pieces here and there to kind of help us get a good picture of what God is up to. And they actually have a video Um, about the covenants that we find in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures uh, that does a really good job of bridging the gap between back then and today. And so we're going to watch that in just a moment. I think it'll kind of catch us up to what we're going to talk about. And then I am going to dive in and walk us through a passage from the New Testament, from the letter to the Hebrews, that we're going to spend some time, I'm going to spend some time talking through what this means for you and I and us as a church. And then we're going to spend some time doing what's called a Lectio Divina or a sacred reading of that passage in the middle of chapter 10 of Hebrews and um, give us a chance in that moment and through Lectio Divina to hear from God and to process some of what we're reading in that passage so that's what's up so now you're informed hold on let's go ahead and uh, watch this video There's a lot of stuff in that uh, their little short story, five minutes, um, but, um, but good stuff. So if you've been able to track with us through this series, then you have noticed or picked up on um, something that's kind of been going on throughout the entire thing. And sometimes when we're standing up here, we've made it really clear and kind of pointed it out, and other times it's kind of been hidden in the text. So while we're learning about Abraham and Sarah and their family, and while we're learning about Moses and Egypt, and God calling or rescuing the people from slavery in Egypt. We run into a number of promises and stories that are foreshadowing or pointing to something that's coming. This idea that um, God has been working through history in lots of different ways, and all throughout that time, he's paving a way to fulfill the various promises that he has made to the world through his son, through the Messiah. Through Jesus. So we stand here in 2017 very far removed from all these stories that we've been processing through and learning, far removed from this distant past and the activity of God in these people's lives and what's going on. And we're trying to understand, like, what's God been up to? What is he doing? What is he about? What's happening in these people's lives and these stories? And if we're wise, we're also trying to figure out, when we're looking at that stuff, What does it mean for us? So it's great that it happened back then, but what does it mean for us as God's people present in the world today? What do we need to learn? What do we need to know from all of these things? Now, you may not know this, but there's actually a document. It's a letter called the Letter to the Hebrews that we find in Christian scripture in the New Testament um, that does this exact thing. So I don't know if you've ever spent any time reading through Hebrews, but this letter is like jam-packed with lots of deep stuff that might make absolutely no sense to you. (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff that this letter is processing through history and ideas of sacrifices of animals and high priests and all these sorts of things that don't make a whole lot of sense. But essentially what the writer of this letter is doing is he's trying to help us understand when it was written 2,000 years ago and today, what what does all this stuff mean for followers of Jesus? What do we need to learn as we look back and we track through the history of Abraham and Moses and the people of Israel and the different stories that we've been learning about? What does that all mean for us today? So some of the stuff that we've been learning through this series, The Making of a People, um, we actually find it, if you're reading through the first 10 chapters or so of this letter um, to the Hebrew people. So essentially, the author is explaining in these first 10 chapters who Jesus is And that he's a fulfillment of all of these covenant promises and covenants that God has made with his people that the video talked about. That Jesus is the fulfillment of all this stuff. And we see in Hebrews, in the first ten chapters, this lifting up of Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice that overcomes the need for there to be any more animal sacrifices that we see in the system of the Hebrew law. That Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew law, complete fulfillment. That he's greater than the angels, that he's greater than even Moses, who is this giant character that we find in the in the Hebrew scripture that represented something enormous for God's people, the Israelites. That Jesus is even higher and greater than um, than that man, Moses. And that all of these high priests that we find as we're searching through and processing through Scripture, that Jesus is the high priest above and beyond all high priests. This lifting up of Jesus so that we understand who he is and then what all this stuff means for us. That through Jesus, we're set free from slavery and bondage in this world. That through Jesus, the entire world is blessed that through Jesus we have access, direct access, to God our Father, that our mistakes, our poor choices, the times when we go our way instead of God's way, that those things no longer separate us from God at all, that we have complete and full reconciliation with Yahweh, with the Lord. So in the middle of chapter 10 of the letter to the Hebrew people, Um, In the middle of this letter, in chapter 10, verse 19, um, the writer transitions from all of this stuff that he's talking about to us and to what this means for us. And he uses a term in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, that's translated therefore or and so. This term, therefore and so. So what's important about this? We really need to zoom in on this word, but why? So if you've ever had a conversation with somebody and you were talking for a while and then they said, and so, you'd be like, okay, you're about to tell me what all this stuff means for me. What's the meaning of this? So as an example, let me, um, let me give you a real-world example. Um, if I were to stand up here this morning and say, this past weekend, I spent a lot of time baking bread. I actually baked more bread than my family can eat, and, um, and I have a bunch of bread left over, and I brought it with me, and I brought honey and butter and jam And so, (laughs) you would lean in and be like, hey, what's he about to say? Because he's going to say something really important to me. Now, unfortunately, I did not bake bread. None of that is true. So very sorry. But it's a great point because you're like, "Uh, and so what? What does this mean for me? And this is exactly what the writer of this letter is doing. That he has been talking about all this stuff about Jesus and what this stuff means. And so... And we lean in. We smell the bread. We want to know what is in this for me. What does this mean for me as a follower of Jesus who has a hard time making sense of all of these things about Jesus? That we have nine and a half chapters showing us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those covenants. Nine and a half chapters explaining that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, that he's the fulfillment of the demands of the Hebrew law, that he's the ultimate mediator between God, the God of the universe, and humanity that he's standing in the presence of God mediating between us and God and inviting us into God's presence to be God's children, to join the family of God, to be Jesus' brothers and sisters. Therefore, if all of that stuff is true, and so, if all of that stuff is true, then it means something very important for you and I that we have to process through and have to begin to understand. And so, in this moment... In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, we have this transition section where the writer says this is what it means for us. And so I want to walk us through this and just talk a little bit about the and so stuff we find here. And then in a little while, Lectio Divina, we're actually going to look at this passage of scripture and spend some time reading and processing and praying through it. So, and so, what does this mean for us? So here's what we get when we look at the middle part of chapter 10 of Hebrews And so, if all of this stuff about Jesus is true, draw near to God. Through his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, Jesus has made a way for us to God. He's given us direct access to God, that our sins in the past, our sins in the future, that none of those things separate us from God any longer. We can draw near to God. That you and I have direct access to God, that if we are in Jesus, in fact, we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living inside of us. No separation, His presence completely full. There's no better way to describe God with us than God's Spirit inside of us. That He does not come, the Holy Spirit does not come and go from you depending on how sinful you are in any given moment. Depending on how well you're doing managing your own sin, the Spirit does not come and go. When God looks at you, he doesn't sometimes see you clean and sometimes see you dirty. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus every single time he looks at you. Because you have the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus has covered you. That we do not experience any longer a separation once we are in Jesus. Forever we are united united with him and our guilt is taken care of and washed away. So you have access to God. You have it. You have it. So draw near to God. And so if all this stuff about Jesus is true, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. So one of the biggest themes of this series um, recurring through the different stories that we have looked um, at over the last six weeks, God can be trusted To keep his promise. So much of what we see happening in these stories is God letting us know, you can trust me. I have made promises to you and you can trust me. We've seen his promises to Abraham and to Sarah and to Isaac and Jacob and their many, many descendants. We've seen the promises to Moses and to the Israelite people enslaved in Egypt that God would rescue them and make them a people over and over again. God, through these stories, honored his promise. He kept his promise to these people. Not always the way they wanted it, not always the way they thought it would turn out, but always keeping his promises. God can be trusted to keep his promise. God has promised to be with us, with you and with me, in times of joy and in times of sorrow, in times when it's easy and times when it's not so easy. In this life to be with us and after this life to be with us. God has promised to rescue us from the pain and the difficulty of this world. And maybe that will happen while we're still on earth. But it will definitely happen when we leave this place. He's promised to make us sons and daughters, to give us a new family. And I hope you know, friends, I hope you know, you don't have to wait for that. You have a family. This is your family you've been given. You don't have to wait to be loved. You are loved right here in this place because you're a part of the family of God. God can be trusted. To keep his promises. So, hold on to hope. And so, if all of this stuff is true, then motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So, we talk about this stuff regularly, and Jesus said it directly, as, easy, as easily as it possibly can be said. And he said it in lots and lots of different ways. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love the people around you. Everything else in the law, every, all of that confusing stuff that we wrestle with, all of it, everything we've been taught, everything that Jesus called us to think and to do and to believe and to know and to live out, all of it comes down to loving God and loving the people around us. And when we say love and when Jesus says love, it's not the warm, fuzzy love that sort of society paints a picture of, the definition that the world often has. It's an act of love. It's love lived out. Love felt and demonstrated in our lives. Love that serves, love that sacrifices, love that sits quietly and listens. Love that at times stands strongly and advocates. Love that stands against the injustice in the world. Love that prays, love that cries, love that comforts, love that challenges. Motivate one another to acts of love And good works. And so, if all this stuff about Jesus is true, gather together to encourage one another. God has called us out of this world, and yet we're still present in this sad, dark, broken world. We're still here. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy to get discouraged here, to get overwhelmed, to get frustrated. There's so much stuff that we experience. It's easy to forget God's promises, to forget that we can trust him, to forget his presence, that he's actually with us in the midst of all of this stuff, to forget that he's called us to love everyone around us. It's easy to think that we're alone, that we should hide our weakness and shame, that when we're struggling, we should hide that stuff. Don't let other people see it. What are they gonna think if they see that stuff? He doesn't want us to hide our weakness and shame, and yet we have such a tendency to do that, that no one cares, that no one has time for what we're going through. It's easy to forget the family that we have, that we've been given, what this represents to be a part of the family of God, to think that um, we have to go it alone, that we have to face the hard stuff in our life on our own. It's easy to think that way. And oh, how easy it is for us to get busy, for us to get distracted, for us to get tired and frustrated, and as a result, to slip away from the people that God has given us to walk through this life with. Not alone, but together. So God designed us to be together and not to be alone in anything. But Satan's biggest attack on humanity is um, separation and isolation. That's his goal. If you ever sense this sort of nagging in your mind, this feeling, this pressure on you that maybe you should go it alone, that maybe you should separate yourself from the family that God has given you to step away for a little while, that is the enemy of what God is up to. You, I can promise you, if what God is doing is bringing us together and giving us a family, then what the world is going to try to do is to break that family apart. That Satan's biggest strategy is separation and isolation. If he can get you alone, if he can get me alone, then he's got us. That's victory, even if we don't give up on Jesus. But if we're separated from then then he's taken away our ability to do in the family of God what he's called us to do to love one another, to gather together to encourage one another. And so we must not stop gathering together, sometimes here in this building, but lots of times outside of this place, in our homes, in our parks. We got together yesterday, families playing ball and having a good time together, getting together in our parks, getting together in our apartments, on the streets, wherever we can, gathering together. Sometimes big groups, sometimes small groups, sometimes lots of us, sometimes it's one-on-one. We just need time together. God has given us a new family, so gather together to encourage one another. Gather together to give one another the courage that it takes to keep on keeping on in this life. So that is Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25. I just walked you through it, and we're going to spend a moment um, going through that through Electio Divina. There's a whole lot more in the rest of the book of Hebrews, in chapters 10 to 13, and I would encourage you to read those. While the first 10 chapters of Hebrews can be pretty confusing and a lot of stuff that doesn't make as much sense because it's talking a lot about Hebrew systems and the way things worked uh, under the Hebrew law, um, the latter four chapters, 10 to 13, are very very practical in a lot of different ways and give us a lot of really good insights into what it looks like to be a family and to live um, this new life that Jesus has called us to. So I encourage you to take a look at the last um, three or four chapters of Hebrews. Um, but this section that we just looked at kind of marks the turning point from all of this stuff that we've learned about Jesus to what this means for us now. So if this stuff about Jesus is true, it changes how we approach God, It changes our outlook on life and the world around us, how we live in the world, how we love, who we love. And so, draw near to God, hold on to hope, motivate one another to acts of love and good works, gather together to encourage, to give courage to one another. Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes going through Lectio Divina, which I will describe to you shortly, but let me pray for us right now. <clears throat> Lord, um, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the way you arranged all this stuff to work, um, that this life is not just a matter of us and you, um, that you have given us so much through your spirit and your presence, but you've also given us a family, uh, people to do this with, so many good gifts to help make this difficult life possible. And so I pray that you would continue to teach us through Scripture, Teach us through one another as we talk and encourage one another, as you speak to us through your spirit, and as you speak to us through our brothers and sisters. I pray that you would teach us, continue to teach us, what it looks like to be your family, to love you, and to love others well. And I pray that um, you give us the courage that we need. And sometimes that's directly a gift from you, and so often it's something from our brothers and sisters. We receive the encouragement that we need to kind of keep pushing through life. Uh, right now, Lord, as we set a little bit of time aside to actually look at this passage that I've talked through, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, I, I just I want to set it out there that we expect you to, God. That we're looking at words from you that we find and encounter in this letter, and um, we just ask that you would show up. That there's things that each of us need to hear, things we need to see, encouragement we need from you, Reminders of um, your love for us and what you're doing in our lives, uh, and so I pray that through this um, this passage that we're looking at, that you would um, you'd speak to us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I just want to say right now that lectio divina is something you can do just one on one. You can do this yourself uh, in your kind of prayer time as you're looking through Scripture. It's also something that we can do in a room like this. Um, but for all of the introverts in the family, if you just want to listen to me real quickly, if you, can, if you know yourself to be an introvert, this experience, we're doing it together, but this is called being alone together. <laughs> this is really important for introverts to learn. So if you do not get your energy from people or there's things kind of in you that are nervous about interacting with people. It's really important to know, in the family of God, we get to be alone together sometimes. Um, but we forget that. We think being together is being together, and we have to interact, and we have to talk, and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes we get the gift of just being alone together. So that is what we're going to practice in this next 10 minutes or so. We're just going to be alone together. So this is for you to just spend some time processing through and reading. And I'm going to walk you through. This is a process that we go, to, go through together. Um, but you can just kind of get comfortable, take a few breaths, relax, relax, There's no pressure in this. Uh, If this is a new experience, you might just be learning how this works. That might be what you get out of this. Um, Or there's a good chance that God may have something he wants to say to you, and he's going to whisper that to you or speak it through the words on the page um, over this next little bit of time. So here's uh, here's how this process of Lectio Divina works. Just to mention, this is a really old thing. The Christians have been doing this Lectio Divina thing, the sacred reading, this process of reading scripture to hear from God, have been doing this for a really, really long time. So we're joining in the sort of history of spiritual discipline and a way of hearing from God that um, Christians have been using and God has been using in the life of his people for a whole long, um, a, lot, a lot of years. So, um, so enjoy a little dose of history right now. We're, doing, we're joining in the flow of humanity. Uh, okay, so there's four phases to this. The first three phases, um, I am going to read the passage of Scripture for us, and then we're just going to have two minutes of silence following that reading. And if you look in each section, like under phase one, the reading, I'm going to read, we're going to have two minutes of silence. During that silent time, it's just a time for you to reflect a little bit. Um, And there's some notes in each section on what to be doing kind of in that moment. So the first in the reading, um, what does the text that you just read um, say? Does something stir in your mind or your heart? Is there a specific uh, or particular word or phrase that stands out to you? What's catching your attention in this? Uh, And so that's what you're doing. You're kind of processing. You're spending some time being quiet. And you're just looking for words that jump out. You can keep reading through the passage if you like, if that helps. Um, But you're looking for words and phrases that jump out at you. In the second um, section, I will again, after the two minutes of silence, read the passage slowly for us. Uh, and then we'll have two more minutes of silence, and you can read that next section um, on what to do during that time, how to be processing and chewing on what we're reading. And the same in phase three. I'll read it. We'll have two minutes of silence for you to be thinking about the questions that are there. And then in phase four, this is where we're having a little bit of interactive time, and you can join in with this or not. Um, But what I'm going to do in that last phase, we're going to have a couple of minutes, and just encourage you to shout out any phrases that jumped out at you so whatever that phrase that you felt like God was drawing your attention to um, then just shout that out um, okay makes sense if you don't have a pen or a pencil there's some over on the table there you might want to grab something to be able to underline um, as we go okay so I'm just going to give us one minute before we start to just settle uh, I'm trying to use a soothing voice so <laughs> not a loud scary voice uh, we'll just take a minute and just kind of settle and get comfortable if you need to wiggle around or move, some, or like hip check somebody to get them further down the bench or whatever. Um, make yourself some comfortable space and then we're going to do this together. And if you haven't, um, if you don't time silence, if you're not accustomed to doing this, it can seem two minutes of quiet time can seem like forever. Um, it can also go really fast, especially if there's something that God is really processing with you. Um, so, if it feels like forever, I'm actually timing it. So this is totally legit. Two minutes for us, okay? All right. So I'm going to read at the bottom of the page. You have um, the pa- also it's Spanish on the other side. If you if you prefer to kind of look at it, um, whichever language you feel like you connect with your heart um, heart language, then do that. Okay. So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 for us. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up, opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. During this last section, I would just encourage you to—I'm going to give us a couple of minutes, but at any point in this next few minutes, just shout out if there was a phrase that you feel like um, God was putting on your heart that kept coming back to you as you were reading through this, um, just shout that out, and we're going to share this together, what we're hearing from God, and, um, and be encouraged by one another. Trusting him, fully trusting right into the presence of God. God can be trusted. (laughs) Boldly, enter boldly. New and life-giving way. Sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, washed pure. let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Hope. Hope. Us. Us. (laughs) Sincere Sincere hearts. great high priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without wavering. Encourage one another. Dear brothers and sisters, Hmm. let us think of ways, ways. that's good, God God can be trusted to keep his promise, yeah. bodies have been washed with pure water. Meeting together. Meeting together. Mm-hmm. Say that again. Hope. The hope we affirm. Yep. The day of his return is drawing near. <laughs> Amen. The day of his return is drawing near. life-giving way. Uh, Well, I appreciate you guys sharing and walking through this process. Um, Just so you know, you can take this and fold it right above Hebrews, and you can use that top section anytime you want to do a Lectio Divina on your own, or with some friends, in group, or whatever. It's a great way to... um, to just spend some time, extended time in a passage of scripture and allow God to, um, to just speak to you. And I think um, just from what you guys are sharing, a lot of good stuff God wants us to hear even in a short passage like this. Okay, um, band, you guys can come, come on up. Um, so Iceland mentioned earlier at the start, this was all about Jesus and it's um, It's true. Um, it's all about Jesus, what he's done, what he's accomplished. And this passage certainly highlights um, what Jesus has accomplished through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and what that means for us as his people and um, the gifts that we've been given, the way he's kept his promise to us as his people.